The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am your host. Quick reminder up top that I always like to give you guys, in case you're new or, you know, in case you forget, that although I am a therapist and this podcast is called Uni Therapy, it's not an actual replacement or substitute for therapy or any kind of mental health service. Although we hope, I hope that it does help you along whatever journey you're on. Now today, I'm so pumped for you guys to hear this conversation I had because it was good and fun and we talked about some tough stuff and I think we talked about some helpful stuff. So my guest today is Tony Collier and she is the founder of an international women's ministry called Broken Crayon Still Color, which helps women process through brokenness and get to hope. She's also a speaker, host, and author of the new book, that I'm very excited to start reading, Brave Enough to be Broken. She actually also has a podcast of her own called Still Coloring, where she invites you to lean into the stories of women and men that uncover their brokenness and practically show how they rebuilt their lives with hope and grit. And I've already started listening to that podcast and I really like it. So I highly recommend that to you as well. Tony and I talk about a lot of stuff and we talk about her story. We talk about therapy, some myths about therapy when it comes to the church and religion. And she's just super cool. I don't really know how else to describe her is she's fun. She's cool. She's funny. I can confirm. Tony, if you're listening, I think you are as well. And it just was a good time. So I hope you guys learn something. I hope you guys feel like you're with us in the room. And I hope you grab her book, Brave Enough to be Broken, which you can pre-order right now. I will link her website and all the things you need in order to find her in the show notes. So you have one click to get to it. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And I think maybe it's time for me to let you guys listen to it. So here's my conversation with Tony. 
All right, guys, we are here with a new friend. Welcome. Hey, girl. So now I've already given, uh, she doesn't know this, but I've already given the spiel of who she is and what she does before I sat here with her. Uh, You guys have already heard, but now I want her to give her own spiel of how she likes to hear herself. Because sometimes I think, Uh well, let me ask you, Tony, if you think that hearing somebody like list off who you introduce you Mm -hmm. is that not one of to me that's so cringy it's like and she's done this and she's done this yeah and i i think that's part of just like kind of how we're trained to like not be Mm. too egotistical or anything like that sure but also i think for me is like i see myself differently than that list of things yeah so before we get into what we're going to get into i want you to just tell us who you are as if like how your friends view you. Yeah, that's so good. I do agree with you. I feel like oftentimes people see you through the lens of your accolades. And for me personally, I see myself through the lens of all my brokenness and stuff that I carry. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, like, I feel like I'm an overcomer. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. And I am a little wild, Mm -hmm. a little crazy. And I'm kind of funny. I feel like I'm funny. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I'm, here I am. You should say that. You Thanks. know, I think people have a hard time. And usually when I ask that, yeah. people are like, oh, I wasn't expecting to hear this. Or I don't know. No. I didn't prepare something. It's like you don't, when you think about who you are, that's yeah. something that you shouldn't have to like sit down and do a research project that's good. around. Yeah. That's good. This is just coming to me now because I've recently been talking about it. But I've been working with some people around like identity mm. and like changing jobs or moving to a new place or whatever it it is it's like well what is my identity now Mm. and I think what you said yeah outside of obviously what you do for a living and the things that you've accomplished those things matter and they're part of you Mm. but the things that you just think of when you think about yourself that's the essence of who you are oh and funny gets to be part of it yay we like that i know i almost hesitated but i was like i'm funny okay you are and the other thing is this is important too is somebody might not think you're funny that's okay and we just met so i'm not saying you're not funny but somebody might not think you're funny yeah and that doesn't mean you're not funny because there's so many different people so many different kinds of humor so many somebody might think you're smart and somebody might think you're dumb like that that one opinion doesn't get to be Mm. the essence of who you are that's good easier said than actually felt Um, but that's why i think it's okay for you to say whatever i think i'm funny that's part of who i am thank you so Tony has a new book and I'm really excited because I just got my own copy of it and it's called brave enough to be broken. Mm. Now I, when I first found you and I was reading about you, this is what kind of like sparked me. And I was like this, I I would like to have more of a conversation around Mm. this. There's some questions I I have. And it says in your book, you're sharing everything that you've learned on how beauty can come from something broken. Mm. And then you're giving practical steps and biblical wisdom to help other women who feel unworthy or unqualified to have a life of meaning and purpose. And those were, that sounds like something I'm like, that not only is a story, but it's a resource. There's a lot in that. Yeah. And I don't want to give away the book. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I would like to learn a little bit because I don't know if this is something that I have found just personally troublesome or professionally. This is good. But, and I want to know your thoughts on this, and then there's a question with it. Everybody and their moms 
and their mom's mom and their aunties in them all of them <laughs> everybody is an expert these mm, days gosh yeah on everything where on it's everything. become like detrimental sometimes to my job because i'm like yep. oh my god that's not true or like yeah whatever but what i like about what i know so far about yeah. what you're doing is you're actually coming from a place of like this is where i was and yep. i am here now and so i'm telling you some information and some things that i learned along the way yeah. that might help those people that are where i was yep it's not coming from a place of oh, I'm here and I've never been there. Yep. So, but let me tell you about how to get you out of there. Cause that just sucks. It just is <laughs> annoying. It's like, yeah. that I, I liken that to like a uh, person who, and there's nothing wrong with this, but somebody who gets married to their college sweetheart mm-hmm. and is with them forever and all the things that like typical things line up for yeah. them is giving dating advice to somebody in like their thirties who's never been married. Yep. It's the same thing of like, it's like fall in love when you're 12. It's going to be fine. It's like, no, no, no. Or, wait yeah, a minute. I was in the works. club when I was 12. What are you talking about? Okay. Yes. Not the same. Yeah. So I want you to tell us, I yeah. like, again, leave some to be imagined, but I want to know we'll like about you and where you came from that yeah. led you into 100%. this place that you're in now. Yeah. Okay. Well, 100% was in the club at 12 and 13. Okay. okay let me say that. No, but I, I grew up in a blended family. My mom got really sick growing up. So I was eight years old. My mom had a massive stroke, paralyzed on her left side. It kind of broke up our family dynamic. My brothers went to go live with their moms and my counselor would call it parentification is kind of mm-hmm. what I suffered. And, you know, it's just like, for those of you that don't know, it's, it's kind of like this moment where there's a natural progression to you taking care of your parents. You're like in your fifties, sixties, maybe, and you kind of switch roles with your parents. But mm-hmm. for me at eight and 12 and 13, I was making sure that my mom was bathed and changed and got to doctor's appointments and putting her little pills and medicine bottles. And so a lot of my childhood awe and wonder just left super quick. Mm-hmm. What that meant was I thought I was grown. And so with a dad who was verbally abusive and always at work, um, I was really susceptible to a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. So there was sexual manipulation and abuse from family members. At 13, I lost my virginity to a much older guy. I started smoking weed to numb, drinking alcohol, popping bottles, twerking all over everybody. Left my parents' house at 16, put myself through college, and then ended up marrying a guy who was just as verbally abusive as my dad. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in this toxic marriage then I said oh you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna go to church I'm gonna go get saved out here I get saved ends up being a toxic church and I mean the pastor at one time looked at me and said that my purpose was connected to him and so if I ever left the church then God's hand wouldn't be on me anymore like he wouldn't do anything with my life oh yeah so just a whole bunch all before the tender sweet age of 24 and so went through a divorce at 24 but we had a daughter in the marriage and so it was just a slew of crap for a very, very long time. And at 25, I was like, it got to get better than this. Like, this is stupid. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's divorce. (laughs) There is so much in my past. There's now church hurt and spiritual manipulation. And there's just, it's just too much. And so at 25, I made a commitment to myself and really my daughter, honestly, that I wasn't just going to be someone that hid that wallowed in, you know, Christian shame and got Mm -hmm. up on stages and acted like everything was okay because I was at church and in ministry that I would actually do the work, the real work of healing. And so I got my behind up in counseling, went every week for a couple years, did EMDR trauma therapy, did a, a 16 week trauma betrayal group. I mean, went to some intensives. I mean, freaking just got my life, did the thing. And I'm still doing the thing. Like I haven't arrived, you know? And there was a point in my life where I said, 
I bet you there's other women like out here in the world that really don't know what the best next step is. Cause I had to claw my way through a healing journey. So now I'm just like, well, let me just put what I did in a book to mm-hmm. maybe hope, hopefully help somebody and be a resource to someone. I mean, there's even parts of the book that's like, how do you find counseling? Yeah. Like, how do you even do that when you broke and you're single mom? Like, what do you do? Okay. So I have a lot of questions. Okay. <laughs> that's a lot. I tried to do it in a nutshell. Yeah. So, one, so this happens, your mom has a stroke when you're eight? Eight, yeah. Okay, so as an eight-year-old, and this is one of those things that as a therapist, I forget is something that you learn, not mm. like an automatic thought, but yeah. uh, because I am doing talking about this all day, but yeah. as an eight-year-old, I think a lot of people out there are like, oh, sh- she was eight, and that then she, was, she kept being eight, yeah. and then she turned nine, and it was just normal. Yeah. But when you are in a system where there aren't mm. resources, or you do what you have to do, yep. or you just get put in a role, you don't know what being eight is, mm-hmm. you are shown that. Yeah. So your home and your environment shows us this is what eight-year-olds do yep right and maybe that is a little different at school than it is at home yeah. but also you're going to spend a lot of time at home and those are the people that you trusted first and yeah not meaning that your your mom was like telling you to do the wrong thing but right. like she needed your help you yeah. were there to help that's what you did yeah so did you have the mm. awareness that like this is not what an eight nine ten year old responsibilities are absolutely not Like, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. It's, oh, eight year olds, make sure their mom don't die. Like, that's what I do. I make sure that she's safe and protected. I am now the parent and this is just, it is what it is. Like, this is going to be my whole life. And that has, as you know, obviously influenced so much of who I am because now it's like, I've got to help everybody. Mm-hmm. I've got to exhaust myself because I've got to make sure that they don't like philosophically die. Mm-hmm. It's all on me, you mm-hmm. know, and I carry that now as an adult for sure. Again, part of that's a really cool skill that you develop yeah. of like you're a helper. Everybody wants me on their team. They're like, <gasps> yes. she's going to freaking kill oh, it. Yeah. She's going to save the day. Yeah, yeah. that's a gift. But and then there's a shadow. Right. Yeah. We have to look at where we overuse that gift where it's no longer a gift anymore. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. 
And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you you have this experience in your family, then you you, you grow up really fast. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that you used the word parentified. Thanks. Yeah. That's one of the first things I learned in school, like undergrad. And I was mm. like, wait, that's so crazy. And then I'm like, that actually happens way more than you think. People just yeah. don't know that that's what's happening. Yeah. It just looks like surviving. Mm. So then tell me more. I want to know more about just growing up and yeah. how you woke up to the fact that you were like this can't be it because that's all you knew so how what part of you was like this can't be it yeah my counselor tells me this all the time she was like tony there was a point in your life where you were safe enough to heal so Mm -hmm. for many of us like when you're in trauma when you're just surviving when you're doing the best that you can you almost don't really have the safety or the time or the luxury to heal because Mm -hmm. you're just surviving like we work with kids in the inner city like I I could go to them and be like, you guys need to go to counseling. You know, you just witnessed your mom get hit in the head with a hammer. You just witnessed, you know, a a shootout. And it's like these kids don't even have the time. Like they're doing the best they can to make sure that they get a bath at Mm -hmm. night, you know. And so I think there was a point in my life when I got out of this really toxic church and I transitioned out of this marriage that I, I had like a moment to just breathe and realize that oh snap like this like something is really wrong here my it's almost like my body was like we have a little bit of safety now mm-hmm. like we have a moment to breathe my even my daughter like she went to go uh, be with my parents for the summer as I was just healing and that space allowed me to really catch up to myself mm-hmm. and realized oh like you're like you can't sit still without shaking you're not sleeping well. And all of the unhealth came up and I was like, oh snap, I, I think I need to do something about this. And that's when I got into counseling and I literally just spit off my story. I remember the first counseling session, I spit off yeah. my story just like I did. And the counselor's like, are you okay? <laughs> She's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's my life. That's what happened. She's like, yeah. okay, sweet girl. With little emotion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Just like, here it is, you know. And she's like, you went through a lot and then honestly 
that's when it got hard. Oh, yeah. That's when the pain came. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what was it like for you to hear from a therapist of mm. like, whoa, like back it up. Hold on, baby. Yeah. Like <laughs> it didn't just happen like that. And like yeah. that sounds really hard. Yeah. Because I'm making up a story that it just was like what you did and nobody really gave you credit for mm. all of this the stuff and the trauma that yeah. you've been through. So yeah. what was when you heard that? I broke down mm. because I realized that it wasn't normal. And that pain, you know, people ask all the time, like, what was the most painful part of your life? I'm like, it wasn't even all this crazy yeah. stuff. It wasn't even growing up without nurturing and care. It was the realization that I didn't grow up without nurturing and care. And that now I'm going to really have to work my hardest to now go back and heal those things because I have a daughter now and mm -hmm. then now I have a son and I can very easily leak on them and perpetuate these same types of behavior, these same types of abusive traits. And, and then it just made me feel really unworthy. It's like, well, that's not fair. Why wasn't there anyone there? Why didn't any, why didn't a, a school counselor step in? Like, wh where the freak were y'all at? Where like, was everybody? Where were you? Okay. So that's actually really helpful for me to hear of like, mm. one, the most painful part was when I had to like actually accept mm. what the truth was. Mm -hmm. But then with that, it wasn't just the pain of digging in and of my trauma and doing EMDR. And, yeah. and it was actually then having to recognize that like, mm. wait a second, there were people that let me down or I can't yeah. look at this through rose colored uh -huh. glasses. And okay. So Oftentimes, mm. and I'm pro therapy. People should know that be, by now. I'll be, I'll yeah, be, okay. and I think so often, and I can do this myself. Yeah. I'm I'm guilty of this myself. We can look at somebody and say like, well, why won't they just go to therapy? Like, if they would go to therapy, they <laughs> right. could do this. Or yeah. if they it, and put that into any other. It doesn't just have to be therapy. Sure. But I think what people don't realize, and and I can forget it. Like I know that mm. therapy just like is excruciating. Yeah. A lot of the time and mm -hmm. there's like a, a good view and sight but like yeah. we're not close to it yet in yeah. the beginning and so I know that but also it can be so frustrating when when we see people and we're like oh this would help them yeah but they're just resistant or yep. they're just in denial or they're and I'm like now wait a second yeah the resistance and the denial are also survival strategies right surprise yeah <laughs> surprise yeah girl. yeah so if you, who knows mm -hmm. it's we don't know because it's not what happened but yeah if you had to recognize the stuff that you recognize later in life yeah how would you find support to hold yourself up through that here's the thing like you're right. You get into therapy and for some odd reason, I don't know if it's just our generation, but we paint this picture. It's like therapy is going to be so good. Oh, yeah. There's going to be essential oils and a sound <laughs> machine. And it's just about to be so great. I mean, get to, I get to heal. And it's like freaking stop real quick. Like you about to go on a roller coaster. You going to want to get off of. Okay. Yeah. Like it is healing's not linear it is extremely painful. It's really hard. And one of the things that I'm doing now to really help safeguard my heart around healing and therapy, because again, I have not arrived. I'm still doing my thing um, is something called a confessional community. 
Dr. Kurt Thompson uh, talks about, you know, healing in community is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And it's not to say that you got to go to counseling with all your besties. You need your Mm -hmm. own counseling out here. But there's just something about getting on the same page with people around you who are also doing their work. Mm -hmm. And people that can say, hey, I know that session was pretty sucky. I know you had to revisit some really hard things in your past. I just want you to know that you're not carrying it alone because sometimes like grieving is crappy but grieving alone is mm-hmm. fear like fearful like it mm-hmm. makes you super fearful and so i have really put people around me that like not only understand counseling are doing their own work as well are incredibly healthy and then I remember people used to call me like in elementary school and middle school a Teletubby. No, don't know if you remember those. We probably yeah, all have like sure, some but trauma. Well, I want to know them. why. <laughs> we probably all have some trauma from those freaking Teletubbies. <laughs> but it's because I, I was always really happy. And I think people kind of weighed my happiness with what was happening in my surroundings, like with my mom being so sick and all these different mm-hmm. things. And they were just like, man, she's still showing up with a smile and she's all good to go. Well, at some point in my life, I lost that. Mm. And I've been on a journey these last couple of years to get it back, to get that, you know, optimism back, to really just be hopeful, because I feel like hope paired with a healing journey is what kind of gets you through, yes. is thinking that, and not even thinking, but believing that mm-hmm. wholeness is available, mm-hmm. like hope is really available. And so I think hope has been a really big thing for me, too. I have two questions yeah. after that. One is, coming from your perspective, mm-hmm especially after you're in this church where you, you go to this church and you think church is going to be great and yeah. like this is going to be helpful and then it ends up being toxic and, and scary and not right. so great. Yes. So coming from that experience, yeah. how did you end up finding a community? Mm. How, how did you learn to like trust and know who to trust? Because yeah. that's what I experience a lot yeah. in, in healing with people is, well, I can't. I can't trust anybody because yep. I thought those were good people. Yep. And look what happened. And look what happened. Man, church hurt really sucks. Let me just say that yeah. for anybody out there that's endured some like spiritual trauma. That crap is it's just sucks so bad because it is like the foundation. It's what you believe is the foundation of who you are. It's your faith. It's tethered to so much your identity, all the things. And so it just really sucks. I think the first thing that I did was I became really aware of what I was attracted to. For some odd reason, now I know, I kept attracting really abusive people. Okay, mm-hmm. what the freak is going on? Well, I could hand over my healing and my wholeness to the people that abused me. Or I could say, my healing doesn't start and end with you. I'm going to take ownership over whatever mm. in the world is in me, potentially, that uh, that that kind of creates this like magnetic thing to people that are abusive. I am attracted to aggressive men. Well, my dad was an aggressive man. Mm-hmm. Like there's something up in there in my childhood mm-hmm. that attracts me to that type of man. And so the first thing that I did was I checked myself. I became a little bit more healthy, a little bit more whole. And from that place, I was able to develop boundaries. So then I started getting in relationships with more worth and more belief in myself and what I deserved. Mm-hmm. And then I honestly started praying, which it's it's so freaking weird as an adult to be praying to God for friends. Okay. <laughs> Have you, I mean, God, please like send my, send a bestie. You know, it's just <laughs> so weird, right? Like it's so easy to find friends like on the playground when you're seven, yeah. like, hi, do you want to be my friend? You know, but like try that at Whole Foods. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> hey, you want to be my girl, friend? <laughs> what you doing? Love your style. Okay. Where do you live? You're like, what? What are you talking about, ma'am? But I did, I started to believe for that. And I just 
really do believe that God was like, all right, shawty low. And it's crazy. One by one by one, Mm -hmm. I started finding friends. But before we got into deep relationship, I knew my boundaries. I had boundaries that were strong enough to keep the bad stuff out, permeable enough to let the good stuff in. Mm -hmm. And I put people in circles. Like I talk about that in the book. Where it's like, even Jesus has circles. Like, don't be out here putting it. You got sandwich friends, okay? The friends that you have a sandwich with at work in all your business. And they don't have the the space, the capacity, the expertise to carry that with you. So Mm -hmm. identify the people that are safe. And it took years Mm -hmm. and my circles are freaking small and I still be a little nervous I'd be like okay now wait a minute let's have a conversation before I tell you this Mm -hmm. okay let me just see where you are and and being okay with transitioning people in and out of circles and just knowing that I I don't want to do it alone and mm-hmm. so I got to give really crazy ratchet humans another chance because mm-hmm. I'm a really crazy ratchet human and I want another chance too. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I imagine that creating some boundaries mm-hmm. before you get into relationships is yep. a game changer because well, then you become responsible for withholding that, well, holding yep. that boundary. And that's, I think, a hard thing where at first when you said like my healing and all that does not just start and end with you. Like yep. I, I'm in charge of a lot of this mm-hmm. and what I'm in charge of Yeah. Is setting my boundary. Yep. And then if you don't respect it, Bye. right, which is hard <laughs> yeah. when you're not used to doing that. 100%. But over time, I imagine that gets a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier. And I really like the idea of having these and making it like an okay thing. Yeah. But I have different kinds of friends. Yeah. I have the friends that I'm just cool with. Yep. I have the friends that I'm going to call when I'm like breaking down and can't even form words. Yep. But that's a very few amount of people Very few. yes right and yep. i don't think that that's being closed off i don't think no. i i heard this quote and i want to say it was on an annie f downs oh, uh, that's how girl, that, my girl. Yeah. i think that was one of her enneagram podcasts where she yeah. was i don't know what number it was but somebody said whether it's her or her guest yeah i'm trying to give somebody credit here you but i don't doing, know who it you're is doing a great job. Um, okay. so they said be authentic with many but transparent with few Ooh. And I, that's amazing to me. That's the one right there. I can show up super authentic with somebody that I don't want in my life. Right. Right. So those people that you're like, I'm attracted to toxic men or to to just like men that are dominating or whatever it is. Okay. Well, I can be authentic with you, but you're not getting anything else. Oh, like you're getting who I am, but that doesn't mean you're getting the insides of who I am. You know, I do. I do know. So I I really like that now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? 
Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to switch it up a little bit. So you went to counseling. I did go to Which again, we're pro therapy here. Yay. I would like to know, mm. like, how did you even, well, it sounds like you went when you were really young. Yeah, right? 25. Okay. How did you know that was a thing? Yeah. How did you find resources? Yeah. What were your, I'm giving you 25 questions. I love that. I'm not going to remember them all, but yeah. I feel good You just about it. take the one that fits the most. <laughs> and then I, I guess part of it is when I, when I was 25, I had just graduated grad school from, to be a uh, therapist, yeah. but in college, Mm-mm. I would have never, <laughs> never yeah. thought to go to therapy Yeah. or no where to find that yep so what were your thoughts about it before you went and how'd that go yeah so before i went i mean i came from a i'm african-american for those of you that obviously can't see me and it's a very weird thing in our culture my Mm. parents when i told them i was going to counseling my mom legit called me was like are you schizophrenic i said no Uh, she's like you know bipolar running our family i said okay thank you so much mom really appreciate you don't think that's the issue okay but i do have some toxic traits going on here (laughs) girlfriend i mean she was genuinely concerned and it is because in our culture like you don't go unless you're just like you've had a psychotic break or something there's a psychotic break going on in their minds and so first and foremost i remember i had a friend that was like hey i think you need to go to counseling i was like oh girl no i'm not crazy <laughs> like no yeah no, no. and she's like no no i i really do think that you need to go and maybe just unpack that and i was just like okay well i'm gonna do some research on it but i don't know and honestly i found a, a new church home after some time away from the church because i hated everybody in the church and i came back and there was like a they had like a counseling like referral situation and i was like oh okay let me go see girl looked it up did my first little appointment they were like it's this much money and i was like oh you got to pay for this like what in the world (laughs) i was like i'm not i was like oh okay whoa 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 gonna have to back this party up a little bit um and what's interesting is 
after I got into counseling, I had started dating again after divorce. And my boyfriend at the time was like madly in love with me. Still is because he's my husband now. <laughs> he offered to pr- pay for my counseling because I was mm. sober. I'm as a single mom. Like I was just trying to figure my life out. And so he started paying for it for me because he I think because he also knew he was like, no, you need to stay. You need to go to counseling. You need to stay up in counseling. Yeah. And. I was so guarded at first, man. Like, I just, I was like, this is a stranger. I'm like, who is this person? It's weird. It's so weird. And so I started researching things like, why do you need counseling? And started reading things like, just like you need to go to the gym and you want to work on your physical body. You need to work on your mental and emotional body. And truthfully, my driving, you know, thing was my daughter. Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking about eight-year-old Tony and what she needed. And she needed like healthy people around her that saw what she was going through, that could understand it, and she needed healthy parents, both physically you know, and mentally and emotionally, and I just wanted to be that for my daughter really, really bad. And I write about this in the book about your posture and counseling because I, I mean, I have the authority to speak about it only because I've done it wrong. Mm. I've gone into counseling with my arms oh, crossed, yeah. like, yeah, that happened, okay, bye. She's like, yeah, but how do you feel? I'm like, pretty great, it's all good, you know, like, so I talk about being honest in counseling, yeah. really dig, like, sinking your teeth in, like, giving it a shot and being okay with, like, dating counselors for a little while. Yeah. Not like dating, dating guys, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, trying to figure out, like, who's a good fit mm-hmm. and not giving up after the first, second, or even third time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like some of us simple folk that aren't therapists need to know how to do counseling well mm-hmm. and not just show up and be yeah. surface level so did you see more than one person before you found 100 percent. okay oh yeah i had a, i had a woman because i you know I, I stand on stages and et cetera, et cetera and i called her and i said so do you work with any leaders like people that are on stage that kind of have like that additional pressure of the spotlight and she's like everybody's a leader i'm like you're not it ma'am thank you very much <laughs> really appreciate this introductory call i'm gonna transition you out <laughs> like it's you like and nothing wrong with that at all like yeah. i loved her posture of like stay-at-home moms are leaders and these are leaders and whatever and i'm like i love it also it's a little different around here you're looking for something specific and so yeah i had one fell asleep on me a couple times (gasps) no yeah yeah i had a counselor would you just be honest like sitting in the office i almost said his name (laughs) um but yeah he's just just, like tired poor thing i don't know what happened he just kept just falling right to sleep in the session i said okay it's time for us to transition out wait a second not kidding okay so these are the horror stories that like you don't think are really true what did you do to sleep i okay so at first because i have people pleasing tendencies i don't want to like lean into conflict i just like talk a little louder i'd be like yeah the so or i'll just like (laughs) (laughs) swear i'll just like tap my hand on the table you know like just try to do something that's not so direct you know when really i should have been like hey you keep falling asleep in our sessions it is really making me feel unimportant to you oh i know that it's that you're not trying to and i know you may just be tired but we need to get you some coffee sweet boy okay but i'm like and like my healing journey is still important and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go to someone else and find somebody else and make it happen you know yeah well i think i'm so sorry that that happened to (laughs) you you it's one of those things that you can laugh at later but like it's really not funny yeah especially just knowing you saying like as you were like opening up to all of your the stuff that wasn't normal some of the questions were like why was nobody there yeah okay well if that's not yeah a very directly related nobody's there and i'm processing that and then my therapist falling asleep falling asleep i know oh my god i said i gotta transition out i gotta transition out but what what kept you from being like therapy like therapy stupid after that you know, this goes back to the, I always feel like I have to like say, I, 
I am kind of like a natural Teletubby. I just believe yeah. the best. I don't real. I don't easily give up on people. And again, that goes back to like, there's a gift with a shadow side, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I can freaking hold on to things that are toxic and I need to let go. But I have matured and I feel like now I can identify the things that are healthy and good. And I just don't let anything stand in my way to mm-hmm. getting to it. Like my mental and emotional health are so important to my own life, to my daughter's life, to my friends, to my yeah. husband, to my you know kids. And I just, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm not going to give up on it because I'm, you know, with a therapist that falls asleep a little bit because he's tired out here. I'm just like, okay, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to find someone else. And yeah. what's crazy is if I would have given up, I would not have found my incredible counselor right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this chick is the real freaking deal, man, and mm-hmm. has changed my life drastically. Imagine if I would have given up on therapy because of a person. A person is not therapy. Mm-hmm. It is not, you know, and it's it's my thing to own. So, well, and it it's almost I wonder if there's that like divine intervention of like, yeah, he's falling asleep because we got to get her on to somebody else. This isn't the yeah, person. This isn't it. And she's going to keep like, giving him chances if we don't do something drastic. We don't just do something drastic. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's asleep. Okay. Yeah. So you need, <laughs> a, you need to go ahead and leave out. Okay. He oh is no longer God. with you in this session, sweet girl. Okay. Isn't that wow, funny? Wow. I, I kind of can't believe it's funny that I'm like, maybe I haven't talked about it a lot, but all I'm like kind of surprised myself. I'm like, dang, he really was falling asleep. Yeah. Well, I just think yeah. from. From my perspective as a therapist, that's like a joke you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And like your clients will say, like, are, am I boring you? Or I know this is boring. I know this. And I'm like, this isn't, regardless of if it's boring or not, that yeah. has nothing to do with anything because my, my job is yeah. to be present with you. Yeah. So it is kind of jarring when you're like, wait, that does happen. But it's a good reminder that like not all therapists are created equal. That's good. Just in general. Yeah. Like I think that's a skill that we should just not fall asleep but also i could be a really awesome therapist yeah. but a really bad one for you that's good you know yeah, that's so, so good i like your perspective and i like you being able to say like hey i shopped around until yeah. i found one that fit and now i'm on to this amazing trajectory because of that so okay can we talk about and this is what i told you a little bit before of I, I hear a lot outside of the therapy room yeah. from people not in therapy or counseling yeah. and inside the room with people who are either new to it yeah. or having a hard time feeling accepted or understood. Yeah. Kind of like what you're talking about with your mom of like, yeah. wait a second, you're going to therapy. Are you schizophrenic? Like <laughs> that therapy is, is reserved yeah. for a certain type of, yeah, of issue good. when like it's reserved for whatever you need it for but i want to talk about from the christian perspective because a lot of of things that i have heard that have have hurt people yeah and i am also a believer of the best in people yeah so there's this part of me that's like they don't mean it that way and xyz and they were taught that and yeah i can overdo it too yeah but what would you say to the Mm. people who might even still think this because i think some people might listen to this podcast but be like yeah, I'll listen to that, but I'm not going. Yeah. Because I don't need to or whatever. Yep. What would you say to the people who um have this belief that going to therapy is is weak, it means that my faith isn't big enough mm. or God will heal me if I just pray more. Yeah. Or if I am feeling depressed or anxious or or yep. uh, XYZ, whatever fill in the blank, yeah. it's because that I'm I'm doing something that's making God angry. Yeah. Like what would you say to some of those yeah. things? I have a really hard belief. 
I say hard just to preface it because it's a strong belief and I will die to the end believing this. I really do believe that God wants holy people. He wants mm. people that are holy, that know his word, that love him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I also think he wants whole people as well. And there are many of us walking around here broken and we know every scripture and we're holy and we can spit something out and we just rude. We're just straight up mean. And we're maybe not even mean because we want to be, but because we're harboring some stuff from our childhood that's holding us back from just being kind to people. That's even just showing up like mm -hmm. Jesus would show up. And so my strong belief is that I, I think he wants holy people and I think he wants people that are whole as well, that actually understand what's going on in our crazy minds at times. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when we think about David in the Bible, we see this guy that like, I mean, he is literally labeled as like a man after God's own heart, like loves God with everything in him, like probably really holy, like one of the holiest. Can we just say that? Mm -hmm. But he also stole somebody's wife and got him killed. So how in the world do you have this guy that loves God so much that could commit such a heinous, incredibly like toxic, mm -hmm. abusive thing to steal someone's wife and then have him killed so he didn't take her back? Dr. Allison Cook would say that David had this part of him that wasn't healed this part of his soul that he has this internal family system because IFS is a thing. And mm -hmm. that's warring against each other, that he wants to be holy and he loves God, but he also has this part of him that's incredibly insecure, so insecure that he would steal someone's wife and then have their husband killed. So what does it mean to have David brought to full completion? Because God didn't like that. God didn't like that David could preach and write all these beautiful things to him and adore him, but also be really incredibly hurtful. Mm -hmm. God challenged David to be brought whole. And... I just think, I mean, that's like on a biblical deep level, but on a very practical level, like we've seen pastors fall. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just be a hundred percent. Like we've seen pastors ruin their families, freaking go after prostitutes, mm -hmm. pornography addictions, alcoholism. We've seen them even bless their heart, commit suicide. Why? Not because they didn't know the Bible, mm -hmm. because they weren't whole because their minds were tormented because they were hiding in shame and didn't feel like anyone would come to rescue them because the Bible was supposed to be the one thing to protect them. Why would God, the God of goodness and all creation do that to us? No, he wants all of it. He wants us brought to completion in every single way, our minds, our bodies, and our souls. So, okay. There's like a little mic drop moment for you bye guys we're leaving <laughs> so wow i first of all i love using stories to actually help people understand yeah. like real stories to understand all this and yeah you're right like you look at the people that know the most like they have the most information mm. and that doesn't mean that they are the healthiest or yeah. that what have you and i think that is going to continue mm. to be somewhat of a issue for Oh, yeah. A long time because yeah. now we're talking about this now and I talk about mental health all day long. But mm. in the grand scheme, yeah, it's not a large conversation. Right. What would you say might help people in those spaces who mm. are who are in communities where it is about what you know? Yeah. And people aren't sharing shame. Yeah. That's oh, OK. I mm, come on. I'm having all these thoughts in my head. <laughs> so often I hear from people. Yeah. <sighs> 
I could never share that with my small group. Mm. Or I hear this too. I walk into church very differently than I I walk mm. into my Saturday, like Gosh. or my Friday night yeah. or whatever. And I wouldn't want those people to see that person. I have to change the way I speak in front of my yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What would you say to people who are in those communities where they're like, yeah. no, I I could never share a, mm. a sin that I've committed in a of a group of Christians. Yeah. Which I to me I'm like this is bonkers. But what would it's you say? Good. What would you say to somebody who's so many things like so many thoughts because I literally came from that yeah I lived one life on Sunday on stage making everybody see you know see all this pretty glamorous Tony and then went home and Monday through Saturday was just like wild out here and I would say here are the things that I learned one of the most painful things that I think I've ever had to experience outside of like looking back on my journey is realizing that I was in a place where I should be deeply known but I am deeply unknown it wears on your soul to show up as a different person than who you are in a space where you're supposed to be the safest. Like, I can't even imagine like living another moment. At this point, I'm like, listen, I'm wild. If you don't like it, let me know. Shawty, I'm out. Like, it, <laughs> mate, like, it is what it is these yeah. days, right? But I would also say there's two things. There's two sides of it. Number one. I had to look deep within myself. I'm, I have a performer's heart. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my counselor says I'm a little chameleon. I want other people to like me. I want them to accept me. I want them to invite me to the parties. Like I want to be invited. And sometimes what that means is I will diminish the authenticity, the transparency, the, the root of who I am to fit who they want me to be. And I had to correct that in me. Like I oh. had to build yeah. that up to say, no, no, no. Like the reason why you're showing up in this space that way is because you somehow think that if you showed up as your authentic self they would deny you what I'm really afraid of is abandonment of not being invited to the party and so I had to heal that in me after that then I had to look at what the actual tangible expectations of my community mm -hmm. are and if that is something that I want to be susceptible to that I want to accept yeah. are do they want me to be someone different and if they do then this is not the place for me my, my counselor says this there was a season in my life where I would choose agony over loneliness I would literally stay in mm. something because I don't want to be lonely but I would be but that's lonely too but that's lonely yeah. it's so isolating and <sighs> so no leave if you feel like that's being required of yeah. you then you gotta leave and find new community it's okay to start over it is worth your soul mm -hmm. being able to be free and not i mean you said this like not Every therapist is a bad therapist. The therapy therapist may just not be the right therapist for you. Like yeah. there are churches that just may not be the right for environment you. for you. And that's okay. Like yeah. do your thing, you know? Well, I think it's important to recognize what you're talking about is like, I am, I'm, I'm working to be liked versus known. Mm. And, and I think it's the first thing I think coming to me is those people who, who, who are saying like, Oh, I could never share that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that because yeah. you're trying to be liked mm. or, is that because there's been shame that's yeah. that's that like you've shame seen inflicted right yeah mm -hmm. that you've seen there and so that's kind of a game changer because then we know is this a, is this a really about me or is this about my environment because yeah. I think sometimes we we confuse those hundred percent not on purpose because yeah. like we're just trying to survive here yeah. but then the other thing is yeah sometimes we just don't drive with people and again like if you do show up this is easy to say I know this is hard for me to experience yeah. but if I show up and this yeah. goes off of me even saying like, if somebody doesn't think you're funny, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, but it also still hurts when somebody doesn't yeah, think you're like, funny. Okay, no one laughed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but if I show up and I share something about myself mm. and it is met with like uh, a glare or like mm. silence or yep. shunning or um, just feeling condemned in some way. It, okay, so it's my responsibility to yeah. get out because yeah. that's not the type of environment that actually is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Because what we know is when I share my story, and this is the power of your book, mm. when I share my story and I talk about these things that maybe I've somebody has never heard talk yeah. about, it alleviates the oh, need for yeah. me to keep my story a secret. And it mm. alleviates that agony that you're talking about. Yep. Yep. Oh, I don't have to feel this agony. There's yeah. another solution. Yeah. And so I say that because it's important in those moments to know if this is about me being liked. Yeah. Because what if it, that's what it's about? And then I share something and people are like, oh, I've been freaking waiting. Me too. To, because yeah. same. Because same. Yep. You know? 100%. So I do. I did like to kind of separate that out because yeah. oftentimes it is the group. Yeah. And oftentimes it's our it's shadow us. sides yeah. that are popping up. That are just coming on Yeah. Out. Yep. Okay, well, I could talk to you for three hours, but we're not going to. (laughs) One, because you've probably been doing this a lot, and two, because, you know, we'd have to keep these episodes to somewhat of a uh, a minimum. But I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get your book, anything you would like the audience to know. All the things. Yeah, man. It's Tony J. Collier on all the things. T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. Instagreasy. My website, all the things. The book is called Brave Enough to be Broken. And, you know, I think I'm... I'm really, really excited for people to read this book and actually get some guardrails. I say this all the time. I don't claim to be an expert in nothing, okay? Because I ain't. The only thing that I can do is tell my story really well and offer up what helped me heal. I'm pointing to licensed professionals. I'm pointing to resources. And I'm ultimately pointing to the source, my own source, Mm -hmm. which is God. And that's it. It's just like, hey, here's some one, two, three steps that you can do to help on this crazy healing journey. Yeah, but that's what I like about you, though. Uh-huh. That is what I like about you is is you're saying I'm not an expert. You're the expert of your life yeah. is what you are, yeah. right? You're the one that, yeah, you've had people help you and you had a, a great therapist to help you. Yeah. But you're the one that's really had to dig in and do all that stuff. Yeah. And so I, I like how you wrote the book where yeah. this is my story yeah. and I want people to hear it because I know that there's even maybe one person out there that mm. is experiencing an ounce of yeah. what I'm experiencing. This is how I found my way. Yeah. I'm not going to pull you out of your pit, mm. but here are some ways that I yeah. pulled myself up yep. and here's how, how I did that well. Yeah. So that's why I, I in the beginning, how I was saying, like, everybody's an expert or a guru on whatever. Yeah. Well, no, you're an expert on this. A hundred percent. And so I'm excited for people to read it. Yay. I'm excited to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's very yeah. exciting. We're doing it. All right. Well, thank you for coming yeah, and talking to me. So good. And I guess now we just have to be friends. Okay. Oh, forever. <laughs> forever well, and ever. Well, you didn't know it, but I did. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Thank you. Bye. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. 
We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.